just asked a question um, many years ago. I was being interviewed by the Financial Times in the era when I was telling people that we decided not to participate in the energy recession. And we were the only, we were the fastest growing energy company in the world, but we were the only growing energy company in the world. That's why we're the fastest. And um, I was also asked, going flying back from Houston to Amsterdam and and um, in London back and forth, and um, they said, well, doesn't the jet lag uh, affect you? And I said that uh, jet lag or, or was for cunts. And, um, and I always think when, when I answered one of those questions, was asked one of those questions by a female journalist. It was never a male journalist. Male journalism, or um, not male journalism, male journalists weren't as inquisitive. I don't know what the reason is. And as I told you, in this is our, the press clippings from some of the, the, thing, the things that uh, I've described from the newspapers, the various newspapers that we were uh, written up about, written up in, and uh, many of them were just written up about me. Um, before we get into the uh, more or less the beef of your quantum action plan, which is growth, working capital financing, internal and acquisitions for external growth. Um, I discussed last night that um, from the uh, Harvard Business Review, the article that was about how managers, um, uh, mediocre, or average, not mediocre, but average managers uh, really hurt you more um, than uh, average employees, and uh, which is more or less consistent with what I have said in, uh, in the fact that the Harvard uh, business review is now agreeing with me. Probably means that my uh, my thesis, my uh, of what makes management good and what makes management bad, is probably wrong now. That Harvard's teaching it. And um, then uh, I gave you, um, or I mentioned um, that there was a kid called Christian Sopwitz, who was a young Oxford kid when he came over 23, and then went off to America and made a lot of money, and I couldn't remember what his uh, real name was, but he changed his name to Christian Bailey. Um, and we really had some characters come through the program. Uh, and uh, for the most part, they uh, distinguished themselves when they went off into the real world, some of which did exactly what I suggested, recommended, uh, and the seminars changed over Castle Seminar, which I think, believe, the first seminar was in uh, spring, summer of 94, and the first QLA seminar that was built or uh, created in um, May of 93 in Los Angeles. But we've had some real successes, some real big successes. And um, when we stopped keeping, keeping track, when I listened to the 97 tape of Harvard from yesterday, that I gave in 1997 Harvard Club in New York, as compared to the 1993 Harvard Club, I said at that time, uh, and I really haven't kept track since, that the, the seminar attendees had created over $100 million in net worth for themselves. Now, since then, some of the guys and gals have created $100 million plus by themselves for one individual. And some people don't like to share uh, their successes because they're afraid of taxes or a lot of other things. One of the stories I thought of just ever had lunch, there was a young, uh, was a PhD 
scientist kind of guy, and his girlfriend was also a PhD. He was an engineer, and she worked for the IRS. And they were members of the CEO club. One was, I think they were both in the Washington, D.C. branch. And um, they attended the Harvard Club speech in 93, and they came to the seminar, I believe, uh, in 94. So they had already completed their QLA training before the 97 um, Harvard Club. But she came up with a motto from, Doris is the only one old enough to remember this, I'm from the IRS, I'm, and I'm here to help, was a jingle that they sold uh, when they were trying to recreate the Internal Revenue Service in America. I'm from the IRS, and I'm here to help. That was her claim to fame. Now, um, whether she got it from experiences that she had here, I don't know. Her boyfriend, husband, became her husband, was a PhD in electronics, and he, the idea is that he came away from here they sold their business, and their goal was, he had an electronics business, was to sell the business for $10 million after taxes and to sail around the world. So between 93 when they heard and 94 when they attended and 97 when they reattended, they were able to do that. They sold the business off uh, for $10 million after taxes, and they sailed around the world. And um, so we've got a lot of people that stopped relatively small amounts of money, because the point I'm trying to make is Attila and Benoit and Marcus and whoever may say, I want to make a billion dollars, I want to have a billion dollar company like the 300 Spartans, like the Gypsies are saying. But once you get 10, 15 million dollars in the bank, since you never had 10 or 15 million dollars or 20 million dollars in the bank, it changes your perspective completely. Excuse me. And all of a sudden, you work in 10, 12, 14 hours a day you don't see the rationale for it anymore. Well, if I did this in just two, three years or four years, and I can pretty much buy, and a lot of you will think, well, I don't have to pay taxes, I'll run off, and then I'll leave, and I'll go to South America. We've got a couple of mentees in South America. Some of you know them in Colombia, uh, uh, one of which is a gypsy. Um, and you decide that that's enough. And so, <clears throat> When I first started in the early 90s, I used to get upset with the people that said, I want you know, a billion dollars, and they make 20 billion, and they disappear. Um, but now I realize, based on all the things that we've talked about, that that's all the influx that their emotional uh, uh, bank account needed to feel good about themselves. 10, 20, 30 million dollars, whatever the number is. Some people, it's even less. I have. Some European guys. I've got a, a guy in the Netherlands that made put him put uh, seven or eight or nine million guilders in his pocket. And I don't even know how much a guilder is anymore. And he forgot about it. He bought a boat and he sailed around. A lot of people buy boats and sail around. Uh, I think they buy boats and sail around because then it's uh, tough to find them. It's uh, they're not part of in their minds any taxing authority. And um, so that's okay. <clears throat> the point is that they're better off than they were to begin with. I don't know what the threshold for paying is in uh, Gypsyville. <clears throat> I'm told by a gypsy that's not here, I'll come back to the seminar when I make 10 million bucks. Somebody, I dreamt that or somebody told me that or, uh, uh, and I don't know 
if uh, 10 million bucks is the right number, or uh, that's 10 million bucks you didn't pay taxes on, or that's 10 million bucks you stole. Uh, I'm not sure what <coughs> the rest of the, uh, the sentence is, but uh, if you never had 10 million bucks, or 10 million pounds, or 10 million euros, um, you know, it will change your life. It will change your life. Especially if you come from some place where they don't have a gas house and all they got is a whorehouse and a sawmill. <laughs> uh, I would imagine, let's call it euros, 10 million euros is a lot of money in that neck of the woods. I'm just guessing, not positive, but I'm just guessing that's a lot of money. And uh, when, you, when they had a gas house, how much could you buy a dinner, a schnitzel, palm fritters, and a couple of beers? How much did it cost? You know? 20 euro. 20 euro. Okay. When I was living in Germany decades ago, you could have a schnitzel that was literally almost this long, this big. It fell over the plate. Okay? Palm fritters that you couldn't see the schnitzel. Everybody knows schnitzel? It's yeah. big yeah. schnitzel. Um, and a uh, couple, three steins of beer that big for between three, three marks, 80 pfennigs, and five and a half marks. That's what it costs. Which is, uh, what, a buck, a buck and a half? Two bucks, maybe? Mm -hmm. And I used to have that, and I'd have a lot more than two steins of beer, and when I lived in the town, I mean, I used to stagger home. My house was about from here to the far gate. And uh, the, uh, when I was a young army officer, and I had trouble getting up the stairs to the I live. Remember, I, I rented the top half floor of the house. So everybody has a different comfort level, what they need. And so I'm not presumptuous enough to tell you that what it is. But what I am presumptuous enough to tell you, that if 10 million or 20 million is that number, and you feel comfortable, and you live on it for five or three or five or ten years, it will not be enough. Because inflation and all the other things will eat away at it. And if you don't do anything, because a lot of people just go to sleep then, you know, I, I will recommend that you go to Romania if you're going to go to sleep. But a lot of people just go to sleep and so then they burn through the money and then they get out of the habit. Remember we talked about habits? They get out of the habit of producing. They get out of the ha habit of driving themselves. They get out of the habit of being lazy, being focused. They get out of all these habits. But I'm, what I am here to tell you is, as opposed to what you've been told, well, then they come out of retirement and it's easier for them. It's not easier for them. It's many multiples times harder for them to get back in the throw of things. For those of you that have been out of school a long time, like I have, if you went back to compete in universities with the kids, forgetting the kids are supposed to be smart and not all that, to go to the regimen of having to read two, three hundred pages a night, take notes, take exams, etc., etc. You know, not a lot of us could do it. Not a lot of us could do it. So, you take that and you multiply it times a hundred, and that's how hard it is to get back in the rhyme, or the rhythm, I should say, of trying to make money. Plus, the economic world has passed you by now. Whatever you thought you knew, in 2015, let's say, it's not 2020, you're not germane anymore.
you don't know anything that's germane. And if you're in the internet scum business, I mean, I don't know what will happen. What can happen in seven years. You can just think back to seven years ago. But when you're in virtually any business, I mean, there's going to be new technology. There's going to be new competitions. And, you know, the EU will have collapsed or not collapsed. Uh, the, the world economy will be a different place. You know, in my particular case, I, I gave the example, Colombia invaded Peru. Oh, shit, Russia may invade fucking Poland again. I don't know. You don't know. So that's why, even though I've been, in theory, semi-retired since 1984, I've never been fully retired because, intuitively, I knew that if I ever got out of the game completely, it would be difficult for me to get back in the game. Now, are there any questions on anything we've covered so far? Okay. Thanks.